Hello, everyone, and welcome to MLS Assist. My name is Joe Lowry, and on today's show, Jordan Angeli and I analyze five new off-season signings who will be making their MLS debuts this season. What should FC Cincinnati fans expect from their record signing Brenner? How can Josh Wolf get the most out of Thomas Pacchettino? How does Santiago Sosa fit in Gabriel Heinz's new midfield in Atlanta? All of that, plus analysis of Inter-Miami's Grigore and FC Dallas's Jose Antonio Martinez on today's show. Let's get to it. All right, Jordan, it feels only right that we start with the multi-million dollar man, the man that FC Cincinnati paid a reported $13 million fee for back in February. (laughs) It's Brenner. It had to be Brenner bringing him in from Sao Paulo in the Brazilian Serie A, that first division in Brazil. What do we know about Brenner? What are what are some baseline facts we have about him? And then maybe we can dive into his game a little bit more. Well, fact number one that I think people need to know is Joe wanted to do this podcast the day after that this happened. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Because we were very excited about this and Joe was like, oh, we got to do it now. We got. I'm like, well, we'll create some anticipation That's here right. and, and really break it down. Uh, I think the one thing we know about him is... He's a center forward. He is a goal scorer. Yeah. I think, you know, it's pretty as simple as that. He's got a good um, build to himself. He's agile. He has good movement, but he really capitalizes. His game is played inside the 18, putting the ball in the back of the net. He really reminds me of a striker that you're very familiar with, Jordan. Jossie Zardes. He is that type of forward. He's not a... I'm going to drop in and help him build up and and get touches. No, he's not that type of player. He's a, he's a fox in the box. We watched, uh, this was during the, the COVID break from MLS. We watched Robbie Keane and talked about him for an episode we did on designated players. Mm -hmm. He reminds me of Robbie Keane in MLS, except there's, you know, a 15 year age difference from when these two guys are going to be playing in MLS. Brenner is 21 years old. He's from Brazil. He's had some big European clubs interested in him as well. Cincinnati were able to get this deal across the line, and they got exactly the type of forward that that you said, mm-hmm. Jordan. He likes to hang out in the box. He likes to get on the end of passes in the box, and he's not really he's not really prone to do a lot of other work on the field. He'll do some defensive work, but from everything I've watched of him, his game is defined by what he does in the 18-yard box. I actually would say he does a lot of defensive work. For for a center forward, and I I think that when you said Jassy's artist, I would I would actually say they are similar in the way that they defend, where they set the tone as to okay we want to we want to force the opposing team to build up a certain ty- side, right? So more like giving a direction to the team behind him and then forcing the ball there, maybe picking a picking the ball off of somebody's foot as they're dribbling. But yeah, I mean he's not. You don't hire, you don't get a center forward to be the best defender in the world. You get them to score goals. And I think that's the big thing. And when you talk about all these other clubs that wanted him, it's because he scored 21 goals in his last season at Sao Paulo, which is incredible. And he comes into Cincinnati, who's a team who needs this, Joe. And I'm, I'm curious when you look at their roster, I'm just curious how he fits in and what you see him doing. I think under Yopstam, he's going to be the guy up top. He's going to be the number nine. We don't know exactly how Stom wants the team to look. We got a taste of it last season, but I think this is a good chance for them over the offseason to reset a little bit and to really input the style that, that Stom and the rest of that coaching staff wants. We don't know whether or not that's actually going to work. It hasn't worked in the past for Cincinnati with other coaches, but Brenner is going to be the number nine over Jurgen Locadia, certainly. You don't pay around $13 million. You don't pay eight figures. We'll just put it that way. 
for a player who you're not going to give every chance to start. Because Cincinnati need to let him play, they need to let him score goals, and they need to sell him. Otherwise, this is a, a pretty poor deal on their part. So I think he's going to be that starting number nine. But then is it a 4-3-3? Is it a 4-2-3-1? How, how the rest of the team around Renner looks, we don't really know. One thing we do know, though, Lucho Acosta is going to be his kind of partner in crime. And that makes me think it's going to be more of a 4-2-3-1 with Acosta underneath Brenner. And then when they defend, it'll be a 4-4-2, which is how Brenner defended with Sao Paulo. He was half of a front two, which is a role that he'll now be familiar with coming into Cincinnati. So I, I think there are a couple ways that Brenner could thrive in Cincinnati. One is with Lucho Acosta playing really well, like he did when he was with Wayne Rooney for a brief stretch of time in D.C. The other way is that Yapstam manages to turn Cincinnati into kind of a possession team where they can use the system to create chances for Brenner. That seems much more unlikely to me because we just haven't seen Cincinnati put together a competent on-field performance in MLS for a sustained amount of time. So I think it's going to have to be Lucho Acosta and Brenner, at least at the start of the season, that are combining and playing well together. But man, I, I don't know if Lucho Acosta is good enough or is consistent enough of an attacking playmaker to actually make that pairing really effective. But we'll see. We just don't yeah. know right now. One of the players I'm excited to see him play with and alongside is Yuya Kubo, because Kubo is a player that wanted to get in behind and stretch the field and get the ball uh, at his feet or running onto a, a pass. And I think feel like Brenner does a really good job of holding the ball up in that nine spot, in that center forward spot, when, say, Cincinnati is transitioning from defense to offense and they can find him as a target player. And he in, he likes initiating the contact so he know where's, knows where the defender is, he can feel him out, and then he can lay the ball off. And I just imagine after that layoff, it's an up, back, and through, and Kubo's beyond. So that's one of the combinations that I see. And then you have to think when you have a center forward like this with the ability to score goals, you have to love the new addition of Matarita yeah. and his ability to get forward and serve a good quality ball into the box. I'm excited to see what Brenner is going to bring. I think he's a very good player. I think there's a reason why a lot of top European clubs were interested in him. And I'm just looking forward to what he's going to bring to MLS, honestly. Do you think there's any way that they play a 3-5-2? And sure. get Lacadia and Brenner on the field at the same time. Yeah, because Lacadia, I think we mentioned his name maybe once before this, but he's also a factor in this whole thing as well. You you kind of invested some resources in him as well, coming getting mm -hmm. him over from Europe. Yeah, they could play next to each other, and I think that actually could work as far as a front Me two too. goes. I think they might complement each other well. Maybe not a primary attacking method, but definitely something we could see. They could sh morph into and shift yeah, into. Yeah, so. exactly. Okay. Should we go down to the newest team in MLS? Oh, next? let's do it, Jordan. Let's do it. Why don't you introduce our next player? All right, we're going to Austin FC, and Tomas Pochettino is our, our next player. 25 years old, uh, began his career at Boca Juniors in Argentina, and I, le I like this guy. Okay, I, I do too, but I want to know why, because this is not... He didn't look like what I thought he might look like when I watched the mm -hmm. film, but that's, again, not a bad thing. Did you think he was going to be just like a number 10 and... Because every piece of media that Austin, you know, shoves down our throats, besides quotes from Josh Wolf and Claudio Reyna, are, you know, this new number 10 that we've signed. And and I think at this point, we, we kind of know that he's not that player. And even people in media have said he's not really a, a number 10. But I needed to see that with my own eyes. And I don't, I don't think he is. I think people have been right about that. And despite what Austin's saying, I don't think he is an attacking midfielder. Okay, tell me what you like about him to play him. Like, I would play him as an 8. Yeah. 100%. Okay. He's not a he's not a ball-dominant player. He's not a Lucas Zellerayan. He's not a through-ball 
type threader. He's not gonna, gonna split the back line with nice, well-weighted passes like Pozuelo, but he is a capable passer. He can get out of pressure. He looks competent at just about everything. He doesn't look elite at anything from what I can tell. He's a willing defensive presser. He's a strong, he's got a strong motor. I think he can cover mm-hmm. ground and he can do some nice things offensively. But again, not, not in the top tier at any one specific skill. And so that's why I see him as an eight kind of in a four, three, three with, with kind of two number eights in front of a number six. What I saw of him and why I'd bring him into an eight and not that playmaking 10 role is, although he's, he's fine. He's good with the ball at his yeah, feet. Yeah. He's not, you mentioned Seller Ion. He's not that player who's going to chop you and get out of two or three defenders. I, I wrote down, the first thing I wrote down is he is best when he has space to move into. Mm-hmm. And he can see what's happening in front of him. So there are options maybe on each channel, a center forward, potentially even uh, attacking midfielder that he could then link up with and and find that outside player, do a one-two, connect with the center forward and get beyond. Like that's kind of his, it's a playmaking role and a connector role, but as long as there's space for him to move forward into, because I think that's really where he is the best. And I'm kind of fixated on this idea with Austin and with Josh Wolf of Austin FC playing that 4-3-3, where it's mm-hmm. Alex Ring as the number six, and then it's right. Thomas Pacchettino as maybe the left-sided number eight, or it doesn't matter, left or right-sided number eight, and yeah. then Danny Pereira, the guy they drafted from Virginia Tech, as the other number eight. And it could be Fagundes, it could be a couple other guys on this squad. But I like I like the combination of those three players' skill sets. Pacchettino brings that driving you know, into space forward kind of player. Pereira's got a little bit of technical quality to him, and then he can also make those similar driving runs forward. They both have some willingness to defend, and the ring behind them is kind of this all-action, he can pass, he can press, he can defend, he can do all sorts of things as a number six. I think that midfield three would work for Austin, and you can, again, plug in another one of the guys in midfield into that group. And then you've got Cecilio Dominguez as a designated player on the left and maybe Rodney Redes as the, the, you know, right winger. And that's maybe where your creativity is coming from primarily. And then you've got this really strong, serviceable, versatile midfield to work with and kind of have as the foundation of your team. When you say versatile, I think that's the thing that pops into my head because Josh Wolf, of course, ties to Greg Berhalter. And we've seen how Greg Berhalter utilizes his midfield players, especially recently with the men's national team. We've seen players like Weston McKinney be all over the mm-hmm. pitch. And Pochettino is a player who, when you listen to him, so when I'm doing my, my research, I'm, I'm reading and then I'm watching and I kind of try to, try to do a little bit of both and, the things that he's saying in all of these interviews is I'm versatile, I'm versatile, I'm versatile. So why couldn't you play him in that midfield role with the the fluidity to get out wide and become a, a second winger in, in an overload situation uh, at times or get in beyond the back line? And I, I think that versatility is really going to be utilized by Josh, Josh Wolf. And that's so important in soccer in general. But I mean, we can see it in MLS. There are going to be a lot of games in a short amount of time this season, especially mm-hmm. having Pochettino, who despite, you know, you and I both thinking is best as an eight. He can totally be a 10. It could be a 4-2-3-1. You put him behind Danny Houston or behind whoever as a number nine, and you're fine, right? You're doing just fine. Or again, you have him as an eight. Maybe you shift him wide during possession. You can do a lot of different things with Thomas Pacchettino, and I think that is a huge part of his value, which is basically what you're getting at. I just reset it, and I said it with more words, which is not good. (laughs) 
I actually thought it was really good. But I was just going to, I was going to add is we just don't know because this, we can have a hypothesis about how other teamers are going to play because we have evidence to, to prove that from before. But with Austin FC, we're Different just ball all, yeah, we're just all waiting to see what's actually going to happen. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. We're going to, Man, the season's getting closer and closer. I have I to know. keep checking myself because it feels, I don't know, it feels <laughs> Too weird. close, it feels but it's wrong, not quite. We're like a month away, Joe. Dude, it's coming right around the corner. Speaking right, of coming right around it. the corner, that's an awful transition that I, I did not need to make. Keep it. On to our next player. Let's stick in Texas, Jordan, if you'll allow me. Were you thinking, coming around the corner, <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> um, Texas, but little, uh, We haven't had a show where you sing in a while, and I'm glad know, we got that. True. You and Ryan Bailey both really like to sing on podcasts, and I'm here for it. It just lightens yeah. the whole thing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Jose Antonio Martinez is FC Dallas's newest defender. They signed him from Ibar in Spain in December with Tam. So, so they're actually paying this guy. They're they they're mm-hmm. having to uh, they're having to allocate a significant amount of roster spending to to get Jose Antonio Martinez on the squad. Twenty eight Spanish played in the second division in Spain with Barcelona B and Granada while on loan from Ibar, and then he played in La Liga with Granada as well, again on loan from Ibar. I really like the fact that Dallas did this. I don't know exactly how good Jose Antonio Martinez is going to be because we don't have a huge sample size of him at a top level. I would say the second division in Spain is a good level. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of players, we've seen Ilya come from the lower divisions in Spain. So we know there is some some parallel there and some crossover that is a, a solid comparative measure. But we don't really have a giant sample size of first division minutes on Jose Martinez and and Jordan, the biggest thing that threw me for a loop on Martinez is he played for Granada in his one season mm-hmm. in La Liga, but Granada were almost the exact opposite of FC Dallas. They had the second lowest possession total in the league that season. That was 2019-2020. So he didn't really get a chance to do a lot of things that Luchi Gonzalez wants his center backs to do. And that is throwing me for a little bit of a loop on this one. I, I think that you have to take out sometimes the style of play with the team and look at the specific details of a certain player's attributes. And and it is difficult because we don't have a ton of... I really struggled finding any kind of film on him. But what I know about a player who comes from Barcelona and Sevilla academies is uh, they're going to be comfortable with the ball mm-hmm. at their feet. Yeah. And if you're Luchi Gonzalez and you're looking for a center back to come in and be a part of the way that you move the ball forward, well, those those qualities that they instill at Barcelona, comfortable with the ball at your feet, under pressure, building out of the back, all those different qualities, well, that fits very well into what Luchi Gonzalez wants yeah. to do at FC Dallas. Yeah, it does. And I was able to find some film using my connections to uh, to get some so to get some looks at Martinez. And he is comfortable on the ball. He's left-footed, which makes him a pretty clear awesome. fit next to Matt Hedges. And if we think yes. it's going to be a back four for Dallas, it could be a back three at times. But either way, Martinez is going to be on the left side of of the center back pairing or the trio. It seems to me that after Rito Ziegler's gone, now you have Martinez come in and it's plug and play. So he is comfortable mm-hmm. on the ball from what I could find. He's not necessarily an elite level passer or he wasn't in La Liga, but that's understandable because there's lots of good quality, confident central defenders in La Liga. But he's comfortable on the ball. He can break lines with his left foot. He can dribble dribble forward into space. He's not afraid to drive into those areas, which I love. He looks athletic for a center back, especially. He's got yeah. good acceleration, decent top speed. The one thing, Jordan, I want to get your view on this. From what I could tell, he wasn't a great 1v1 defender in La Liga. 
he sometimes takes too much time to swivel his hips and change directions if he's isolated against an attacker. And he, he almost couldn't keep up with a really quick attacker either in terms of top speed. But I don't know if that should be a concern for Dallas or not, because I don't know what the quality of MLS attackers and you know, how that relates to La Liga attackers. Would Martinez have no issue with an MLS attacker? I mean, we just we kind of don't know right now. That's funny that you say that. And I think that 1v1, when you're talking about 1v1 ability, of course, central defenders have to have a good quality 1v1 defensive posture and be able to win those battles. But a lot of the times it's they don't find themselves often in those moments they where they are. Yeah. They shouldn't, right? So can he organize in front of him in order to uh, not get into those spots? Is he not a good one, one, 1v1 defender because he's trying to push a player into his cover or where cover could potentially be coming? And so he's not engaging in a defensive effort or a defensive tackle. I don't know. I think that's I would be more worried if he was a poor outside back. Yeah, that's a great point. So maybe it's not a big problem. You've got Matt Hedges, who is a reliable Mm -hmm. organizer as well. He's still semi-mobile, even though he's getting up there a little bit. So you've got that solid presence in the back line. Even now you lose Brian Reynolds after you lost Reggie Mm -hmm. Cannon. There is some turnover in the outside back spots. But Martinez, to me, looks like a good player. I think Dallas are not going to regret spending the amount of money that they've spent to have him on their roster. I think more MLS teams should sign quality center backs. I, I haven't been quiet about that in the past. I'll continue to bang that drum. Yeah. It'll hurt a little bit if Martinez doesn't kind of deliver, but I think he's going to, and I think Luchi Gonzalez and Dallas got themselves a good player. When I was doing my my work here, I knew Joe was going to be excited about this center back. <laughs> new center back to the league. Here we go. Also, uh, talking about Dallas, can we just say uh, Brian Reynolds debuted this weekend? Yeah, I haven't watched it's the film huge. yet. I, I haven't watched the film. I don't know how he did. But man, the fact that he got on the field for Roma and Serie A, that's pretty cool. Huge. Gosh, that is crazy. I love it. So cool. So cool it, what's happening. Okay, on to our next player. Let's flip back over to the Eastern Conference, shall okay. we? Santiago yes. Sosa. Atlanta United's newest central midfielder, or one of their new central midfielders, they have another fellow named Franco Ibarra coming in from Argentina as well, who's even younger than Sosa, who's 21. Sosa is Argentinian. He's played about a 1,000 minutes for River Plate in all competitions since 2018, which is where Atlanta United signed him from. They paid about $6 million reportedly. My favorite Santiago Sosa fact, and then I'll flip it to you, Jordan, for some actual analysis. Sosa played at the U-20 World Cup in 2019 with Argentina. And he played with Ezekiel Barco. So he already has one Atlanta United connection in this squad. Well, I'm sure Atlanta United is hoping he has a quicker transition (laughs) to uh, really quality minutes for their squad. But I I do like what Gabrielle Heinze and Atlanta United are doing in bringing not just one, but two really defensive midfield type players in together because Franco Ibarra, if I'm I'm done my research right, he's also a a holding midfield type player. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the way that Atlanta United want to play, going forward, throwing numbers forward with a little bit of inhibition, you have to have stability at that that holding mid spot. And so I think Santiago Sosa brings, you know, I'm a little nervous about the inexperience that he would have, but he has a tenacity about him that I think Atlanta has lacked in the last couple of years where he reads the play well as if he's defending, he can read the play, break it up, and then spring forward or find that next connecting pass. A good tackler of the ball and a a good player to deny 
passing lanes into front runners is is what I saw from him when I was watching. He's a very willing presser, which I think Gabriel mm-hmm. Heinze is going to like a lot because with Vale Sarsfield and Argentina, Heinze's teams possessed so much. And so when you lose the ball, they would counterpress. Or or even when they wouldn't counterpress, they would press high defensively and then fall back. They they would be a very defensively intense team. Sosa, to me, is a very willing presser, but the desire isn't what's lacking in his defensive work sometimes. I think sometimes his athleticism lets him down. He is he's willing to step forward and engage you, but if he can't win the ball quickly and, and make contact with you, I don't think he has the top-end speed to contain someone as a number six. And so that's my that's my biggest worry. Yes, he's he's aggressive. Yes, he's willing to cover ground and do those things. But he's not super athletic. He can't keep up with, you know, with a quicker central midfielder. I don't think he could keep up with Latif Blessing in a foot race mm. over over, you know, the mm-hmm. the middle third of the field. I don't think he can do that. So yeah, he's got some quality on the ball. He's right footed. He can keep the ball moving under pressure. He can play some nice diagonals. And again, yeah, willing to do the defensive work. But I question whether or not he'll always be able to do the defensive work. Do you see him then being a, a six? Like if we look at other teams that play with potentially two holding midfielders, do you see him being more of a, a connector six who gets forward? Or is he going to have to stay back a little bit more because of his lack of athleticism? I don't know. It kind of depends on what shape Heinze wants to use, right? True. If mm-hmm. if he wants to use a 4-3-3, which he used in Argentina, I think Sosa's the the most na- his most natural spot in that shape would be as the lone six. Right. But if he wants to use a 4-2-3-1, which he also used with Velez Sarsfield, then having him as a number six with maybe a more athletic number eight next to him. But the problem is, I was looking at Atlanta's roster, they don't really have that more athletic number eight. They have Emerson right. Heinemann, they have Rosetto, but those are more technical offensive players than they are defensive-minded offensive players. So maybe this isn't a problem, and I'm just kind of overstating it. Sosa's a good player. He's talented. I think he has a bright future. But I just wonder how Atlanta's squad is really going to come together. Because I guess this is more of an Atlanta question and a question mark for them than it is an issue with Sosa necessarily. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because I looked over Atlanta's roster and I'm like, ooh, there's some pieces here. There is, yeah. But like, what edge, you know, when you're putting together a puzzle, like what edge fits together with what other edge? I don't know. I'm not sure yet. But I do like I do like Sosa a lot, just to yeah. reiterate. He's got we didn't spend a lot of time talking about his offensive ability, but because Heinza, we expect him to play a very high possession style, Sosa is the perfect kind of number six. Certainly a better fit for a system like that than Eric Rometty, who's now not mm-hmm. on Atlanta United's roster. And you can right. see kind of how or at least it seems to me that we can envision how Heinz is going to play by looking at the players he's bringing in. When you have Sosa yeah. as that more technical number six that kind of tips, you know, tips me off, tips you off to how Atlanta is going to play with the ball. And we have to trust that Heinze maybe knows these Argentinian players a little bit better than we do. Yeah, you'd think so. You'd think, so. They, you'd think. every maybe. player, every player they're linked to, because Atlanta is still looking for a center back. Every player that they're linked to is is from Argentina. I was going to say is from Argentina. So I don't know if Heinze Hi. knows there are other countries or or, or what exactly is up <laughs> with that. He knows what he wants. He's seen it and he knows. This is kind of more big picture and zooming out from Sosa and Atlanta a little bit. So many of the players, as we were trying to decide which guys to talk about, and even players that we aren't talking about today, but we might talk about before the season starts still, almost all of these guys that MLS teams are bringing in, or at least more of the high profile guys, South America. Mm-hmm. All of these guys, I swear, are coming from South America. Of the players we've talked about so far, Brenner, South America, Thomas right. Pochettino, South America, Martinez, not from South America, Spain, 
which is uh, certainly an outlier, I think. And then Sosa, South American. And then the next player, Jordan, that we have, Gregore from Brazil, another South American. So MLS is very clearly going after a specific market, and uh, they're they're not really looking in a whole lot of other places, or for the most part, at least. And I think these South Americans are seeing how they can come and be successful in the U.S. Yeah. And, and really be impactful. You come in as a as the best player on the team as a DP and you, and you can really make a huge impact and then potentially, you know, seeing Miguel Amaron and what he has done too, maybe potentially make it over to Europe. So it is a different outlet for them or a way to see their career headed in a different trajectory, but I like it. I like it too. It makes it, it makes it fun for us because a lot of these guys are high talent players. Yes, and I like Rigore. Like yeah. what a name. Tell me about How him, cool Jordan. Is it that, Tell me. That we get to we get to say that name. Well, I'll get to say <laughs> it when I I'm calling games for Columbus. Like it just um I don't I actually Joe, I didn't write down anything about where he's from. So, I just wrote down things about him. So oh, I will maybe, I will take up I'll, the mantle. I'm going to throw it to you and say that. Um Please do. Inter Miami signed him from Bahia in Brazil in February. So that's where he's coming from. In uh, in Brazil, Bahia plays in Serie A. So another first division Brazilian player coming to MLS. Okay, well, I did all the other... Like, I have probably the most written down about him because I'm really interested in how Inter Miami is going to use him. And the first thing I wrote was, yes, like... <laughs> They are in desperate need of a holding midfielder. Do you not agree? Oh, I completely agree. This is the perfect signing for Inter Miami. And we had talked about, you, you just started talking about Gabriel Heinze and how we previewed a little bit of potentially how he could play with what we've seen from him before. Same with Phil Neville. That that podcast episode is just a couple back. And I anticipate Phil Neville playing a 4-2-3-1. And I think... Grigore fits one of those two holding midfielders so well. He has grit. Mm-hmm. He is feisty. He has some um, tackles that reminded me of uh, Jose Martinez from Philadelphia a little bit. Yeah. You know, a little wild, like teetering on that edge. But at the same time, one of the things I liked most about him, Joe, is his ability to read the play as a holding midfielder, step in, Either with a little a little toe when the player has the ball at their feet and just toe it away, or step into the passing lane, and then his first touches tend to be these this big touch to get him out of that direct space that he came from, away from the opposing team, and he's off. Like he wants to start the attack and go quickly in transition. And if you're looking at Inter Miami and how they could go forward and the number of players that could benefit from someone winning the ball and going forward quickly. I think that um, the list goes on and on. I want to go back to to what we said about Inter Miami needing a holding midfielder. Mm, yes. I just have this play burned in my mind from last year. I believe it was Inter Miami versus the Montreal Impact in that game later on in the season. It, actually, it's not even a single play. It's a sequence of plays. It's a number Isn't of different plays. Yeah, so it's Matuidi and I believe Will Trapp next to him. And... Montreal knifed through that midfield like a like a hot knife through butter over and over mm-hmm. again. The butter was already melted. It, you don't even mm-hmm. need to cut it at this point. Montreal had no issue going through that gap over and over and over again in Diego Alonso's 4-2-3-1. The personnel was not sustainable. Will Trapp is gone. He's in Minnesota now. And so Matuidi's still on the roster, but they needed, they really needed more defensive cover in that group. And that's exactly what Gregory is going to bring in, I think. Well, when every, when Blaise Matuidi came to MLS, people aren't thinking, oh, he's going to be the six. 
He's a World Cup winner. You're, you want him up higher on the field, really. I mean, because he has all the attributes that could play higher up on the field. And so I think that it takes the pressure off Matuidi and allows him to be a little bit more creative, a little bit more fluid, not so many defensive responsibilities. But my biggest thing is it adds stability to this team when you have someone with the characteristics that Gregore has because he can cover ground. He isn't afraid to set the tone with his tenacity and his intensity. And I think that Inter-Miami lacked some grit last year. Yeah. Yeah. I think... I think Grigore is going to bring the grit. I like the alliteration there. I just That just clicked for me. I, I think oh, wow. Grigore has two main jobs within for Miami. Okay. Number one, give Blaise Matuidi some defensive cover. That's number mm-hmm. one. Will Trapp couldn't do it. Victor Iyoa can kind of do it. He's still in the squad, and, and we'll see plenty of him this season. But that's Grigore's defensive job. Offensively, I think his number one job is to push the ball forward to Pizarro, to Gonzalo Higuain, and to Lewis Morgan, and let them do the work. Grigore is not this... This really technical, I'm going to pull all the strings. He's not really a Sosa type on the ball. I think there's a very clear distinction between Santiago Sosa and Gregore. And hopefully we've explained that well enough that that distinction is clear for listeners. Gregore is not super creative. He's not super skilled. That's not to say he can't work his way out of tight situations or or do things to help now into Miami move forward into the attack. But he's much more of a, I'm going to get the ball and push it forward. And you kind of explained how he likes to play with the ball. I see him as being kind of the the shuttler that moves the ball forward yes. from the defensive line into the attack. Maybe LGP and Figal do that for him at times even. But Grigori is going to be kind of the the worker to allow mm-hmm. into Miami's attacking players and Matuidi to do things in the attacking half. I just imagine him picking a ball off and Inter Miami goes from their defensive shape where Lewis Morgan is in this uh, a little bit more of a, a centralized defensive space, but he Gregory wins the ball and Morgan can go. And you, I mean, I talked a lot about Lewis Morgan and how much I liked him last year. And I think that he could really be impactful. He's going to be one of those players who benefits significantly from somebody who can win the ball back and then get him into the right spot at the right time. I think Chris Henderson has a lot to do with this signing. From what I've read, uh-huh. I mean, that's Inter-Miami's yeah. new kind of decision maker in their front office. Coming over from Seattle, Chris Henderson worked underneath Garth Lagerway in that front office. And Henderson wanted Grigori back in Seattle. And they ended up going with Jao Paulo instead. And we've seen how good Jao Paulo's been in MLS with Seattle. He was one of their best players last year, even though he didn't get as much coverage. If Grigori was Chris Henderson's first target, I think that gives us an idea of, of what at least Chris Henderson thinks Gregory can do an MLS, and mm-hmm. that probably means he can do an awful lot in this league. Yeah, so. absolutely. And we only got to five players today, yeah. and there are so many more, and I, I think that this is a good start, and I'm excited to dig into some more players, Joe, because as we said, we're just like, we're a month away. We're just wetting whistles out here, Jordan. We are yeah. just getting started. Gosh. Thank you for joining me and, and talking yeah, soccer. Great. You've got a big move back to Columbus so that you can actually get into the groove to start this MLS season. Um, so I, I wish you all the best of luck with that drive, because I know it's not a Thank fun you. one from Colorado to Ohio. Lots of podcasts, right? <laughs> Lots of podcasts in that car. I'm going to listen to TSS. I'm going to get caught up in my allocation disorder. You know, all the things. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, what more could you ask for in a long, what more? In a long drive? <laughs> Jordan, thank you again. Listeners, thank you all for listening. And we will be back again very soon.